Well, that was a fast break, wasn't it? I saw the salmon streaming towards the powder rooms, and I thought, that's going to be a traffic jam. Wow. This is great that you all got to come out today. Now, here's what happened at the book table. First of all, let me blame the absence of books on Crystal. Crystal, Crystal Blaylock. I spoke to her earlier in the month of, I think we talked in December. It was December, wasn't it? And I said, about how many ladies are coming? And the number she gave me was about 100 less than there are in this room right now. <laughs> so then what happened at the book table is you all came out there and just swept the books off into your purse. So the book table only has one title left, and it is kind of a targeted book, and that's this one, Rough Patches, Temporary Marital Tensions. It's not going to be that helpful if you're not married. So, but I can tell you this, there are still a handful of copies of this left, and you can stop by the book table if you want to grab one, either for yourself or for a friend or for someone that's going to get married. I had a lot of ladies tell me they were buying them for newlyweds so that they'd have some ideas what to do when they hit a rough patch. You don't actually have to be in a rough patch to read this. Actually, it's better to equip yourself before you're in one rather than when you're in the storm. But either way, it will be helpful. This was actually born out of a coffee date. This book was written because of going out with a sister friend, and I wasn't prepared for this. I thought we were just going for girl coffee. It turned into a counseling session as she unfolded some really difficult things that were going on in her married life, and, and she really didn't think it could get any better. And I want you to know that if you're in this room and you're in a marriage that's difficult, you already know this, but you're not first. You're not alone. And don't give up hope yet. Because if you're still married, there's still hope. And you, you might want to argue with me about that, but I'm, I'm basing mine on scripture. So if you have a verse you want to counteract it with, that's what you're going to need. We do have hope in this life. And so this one's on the table, and it's the last one. I brought all kinds. I brought five books. This one, Ponder the Path, is the one that was written to help people get in the Bible daily. It's a proverb a day. It's got a devotional thought to go with the proverb, and the reading assignment is to read that corresponding chapter of Proverbs. And so this was on the table, but the nice thing is on your handouts, all these books are available in the shop at keeptheheart.com, and when you hold your cell phone over the QR code at the bottom of your worksheet, poof, you're in the shop. Just don't shop during lessons. Okay. <laughs> Teachers of Good Things, Elements of Christian Womanhood. This one was written several years ago, again, to help sister friends helping sister friends, to help women men mentor women from Scripture. And this is based on Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. And then Sister Friends is based on Proverbs 27, 17, the iron sharpeneth iron verse, and just good ways that we can support one another in grace and godliness to be biblical friends. It's really important that we not influence our friends in a way that makes them less like Jesus. Hanging around you should make me more like Jesus, and vice versa. So we want to be that kind of a friend. So this one is, all of these are now in the shop. I was going to say, and this is on the table back there, but no, it's not, because the power shoppers raced us to the table, and they're all gone. And then this is the Bible study. ICU in Christ unconditionally has three parts, 
Old Testament, New Testament, and this one is heart conditions. And this Bible study was designed so that you can either study with a sister friend, you can read it as a solo study, or you can have a group at your house or a group at your church. Several churches around the country are using this Bible study in their ladies groups. And we also wrote it in a way where a person could have someone come to the Bible study with them that's not a believer and they won't feel like you're talking over their head. And so it's literally everyday language that this study is written in, but we have actually taken people from scripture, used what happened in their lives and how that applies to our lives today. And inside the cover of all the ICU books is the gospel. And the reason why we did that is so that when you invite somebody to your Bible study, if they're not a believer, when they open up the book, the first thing they're going to see is the gospel. That's whether it's in the leader guide or in the participant guide. And all of this is in the shop at Keep the Heart. But here's what I'm going to do with these. I brought these up here to give away. So I am going to start with the easiest giveaway, and then I'm going to go harder, okay? You ready? The easiest giveaway is my birthday. My birthday is February 21st. Who has a birthday that's February 21st? I know I met one person. Okay, there's one. And, and KK's birthday is February 21st, isn't it? But she's not eligible to win. KK is like eight, nine, 10. Yeah, so no. Okay, so now, all right, here's what we're gonna do. You are the first winner of this book giveaway. You get to choose which one you want. Do you want ICU? Do you want Ponder? Do you want Teachers of Good Things? Do you have marriage trouble? What do you want? <laughs> you get to pick. You say, and then I've got a helper right here who's going to run it to you. Say it again. I see you as yours. Clap for her. Okay, this next one is for wives. Where is this in the Bible? Mary Beth, you're the judge. Stand up. Take the first hand that goes up. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Take the first hand you want to. You, you can just tell me what book it's in. She's not married yet, but we're going to let her have it. She's going to get married, I just know. Yeah, yeah. I said for wives, we're going to check your listening skills another day. Okay. All right. Where am I in scripture? Mary Beth, you're not off duty yet. Okay. And she's going to take the first hand she sees. Don't get into any arguments or fights. It's not going to pay. Okay, where am I? Only raise your hand after I'm done speaking. I forgot what I was going to say. Okay, I got it. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Where am I? Pink shirt. Say it loudly. She's right. She gets this. Clap for her. All right, next. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned that I may know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. Where am I? Take your... Proverbs. No, ma'am, but you're in the right side. Wait, which one are you picking? Uh, she said Psalms. No, ma'am, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Ecclesiastes? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Warmer? No, ma'am. Wait a minute. 
Who said Isaiah? She gets it. Clap for her. That took a little while. No fear picking those, huh? Okay, how about if I do one that's easy? Should we do an easy one? They said no. Okay, no, yes? Easy. Listen, it's Saturday and you're at a retreat. I'm going to do an easy one, okay? But no fighting because all the hands are going to go up on this one. Ready? Get ready because this is going to be harder for you because all the hands are going to go up. You just have to pick one and don't be feeling bad. Okay. Okay. All right, here we go. Keep that heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Which hand did you pick? I saw the hand. Let me help you. You're going way back there? It better be. Okay, together. All right, clap for her. All right, great. I am so sorry about the book table. I really would have, I would have sent more books. Crystal didn't know you guys were going to turn it into the Florida State Fair. She didn't know, so I'm really not blaming her. She, every time I talked to her, the number had gone up again. And when I landed and she told me it was 360 or something like that, I thought... And I said to her, we don't have enough books. Sad. <laughs> but the books in the shop are the same price as they are at the table, and we ship media mail, so it's a very, very low rate. So go on the shop and get whatever you want while you're there. Let's open in prayer and get into the second lesson, and then after the second lesson, we go directly to lunch, don't we? Oh, fun. Sister friend time. Just don't eat so much that you come in here and go to sleep. Because I know how that goes, because I've done that. That's why I'm not allowed to have lunch today. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for even the ability to laugh, because a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. As we study this lesson of things that we wish we could talk about, remind us of your truth and help us to have wisdom when we're walking through something that we can't openly discuss. Thank you that we can always talk about things with you. We're trusting you with this lesson, Lord. Teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. There were people in the Old and New Testament that had things that happened in their lives that still happen to people today, but they probably weren't things that people freely discussed. In fact, in this room right now, you don't have to raise your hand, but just think about it. I, I'm wondering how many people in this room right now are going through something presently and you feel like, I can't talk about this. I really can't talk about this. I've had times like that in my own life where I felt like, boy, I wish there was someone I could call. But I can't literally think of a single person I want to share this with. Have you ever been there? Well, you know what? When you look at scripture, they had to have gone through the same thing. Let me give you some examples of things they probably didn't talk about. King David murdered Uriah and then took his wife as his own. And then they had a baby, and the baby abruptly died. And that was the judgment for what he had done wrong. Probably not an openly discussed situation. Maybe whispered about, but not something anybody could really openly talk about. There was a lot of problems in that picture. Or how about this one? Abigail, I mentioned earlier, married to Nabal, the only person in Scripture described as a brute beast, churlish. But did you also know that he was a wealthy and powerful man? 
I don't know how they got married, but I do know that it was common in Old Testament times to arrange marriages. She may not have picked him. You know, most of you in this room, I would think just probably anybody in this room who's married, you picked your spouse, he picked you, you picked him. She may not have had that choice, and this is the man she had to go to bed with at night, wake up in the morning, walk through the day with. And he was a disagreeable drunk. We can only imagine the challenges that she had. Or how about this real story from Scripture? Jonah struggled with discouragement and depression. Depression is at pandemic levels now. Not surprising when we listen to the media. Anybody that would come, if they were coming to me for counsel, one of the first things I would ask them to consider very soon is to cut down their consumption of all forms of media. Especially social media and the news. Have you noticed the news, fear for sale? And then we're wondering why people are in a pandemic of depression. But this is as old as the Old Testament. Jonah struggled with depression even after he had that miraculous rescue from the belly of a whale. I would have understood being depressed in the belly. <laughs> All the goo around you and stuff. Let's not, the cartoon books don't draw that right. But I guess they don't know how, because who's ever been in the belly of a whale? But I mean, imagine he's in the digestive system of a whale. That's something to be depressed about. <laughs> but it was after he was spit out and upon land, and after God was showing kindness to Nineveh, that's when he got blue. Strange, that chap. But he was real. What about Judas? There's another person that, there was probably nobody that understood the depth of that man understood his issues and his problems. We just automatically brand Judah like he was not worthy of even consideration. But had you ever thought about this? First of all, he walked with Jesus in the flesh every day. And that means that he was also rubbing shoulders with the disciples all the time. Could you imagine if Judas was your very best friend and you never saw that coming? Do you know somebody who did something outrageous and you never saw it coming? Are we anything like Judas? Where we would do something very out of character if we were in the right circumstances. And have you ever thought about this? I bet his parents had nobody to talk to. You do remember that Judas had to have parents, right? He didn't just drop onto earth. He was born... One day, some mom had a newborn baby, and they named him Judas, never knowing that he was going to be the one that would betray Christ. Can you imagine what it would be like to be the parents of someone that did that? And who would they talk to? Who would want to even talk to them? And then there's Paul and Barnabas. I kind of like Paul and Barnabas. They remind me of humanity. Paul and Barnabas had the first ministry argument in Scripture, and it broke their friendship. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you in here right now are at odds with somebody? And as soon as I said that, they popped up on the movie screen of your mind. They're thinking, yeah, mm -hmm, her, it's her. It's not me. It's got to be her. 
Well, Paul and Barnabas, they had the weirdest breakup of their friendship, all because one thought John Mark should come with them, the other one thought John Mark shouldn't come because he didn't stick with us. And it fractured their friendship for a season. Who do you talk to? You know you can't go running to somebody and telling them the details on that, because if you do, you know that that becomes a tale-bearer. There are a lot of things in life, all kinds of accounts in Scripture that are just like life today, things that happen in our lives that are really just hard and we're not free to openly discuss them. But you know it's not true that we can't talk. It means that we need to be careful who we talk to when we're secretly carrying a heavy burden. So we're going to look at four ways that we can handle private matters wisely when we wish we could talk about it. Our opening scripture for this lesson is Proverbs 16:20, And I know I mentioned it earlier, but let's read it out loud together. Do I have the right reference on that? Yeah, it does. You know, from a distance, my glasses are playing tricks on me, and I'm not seeing enough numbers next to the word Proverbs. So I'll stick with these, this screen here. I, these, these are fake eyeballs. I can't see a thing. If I take these glasses off, I'm toast. I am so toast. Is anybody else like me? Let's read this out loud together. Ready? Begin. He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. Remind me, friend, what time do you want me done? Because I will be done by then. This lesson's shorter. We will be done by then. So this is your speed dial lesson. Not a good time to take notes. Number one, pray for God to provide a biblical counselor. This will help a great deal when you're trying to go through something and you can't talk to everyone, so talk to someone that will keep your confidence. Proverbs 19.20 says, Hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. And then Proverbs 20, verse 18 says, Every purpose is established by counsel, and with good advice make war. There's a few things to remember under number one. First of all, choose a counselor who shares your faith. Don't seek counsel from an unbeliever when you're a believer. They're going to start by attacking your faith. Your problem, Missy, is you need to get over this fairy tale living of believing in God. That's how unbelievers, unbelievers will first start with trying to dismantle your belief. So don't go get, you can't get counsel from an unbeliever any more than I can get surgery from a nail technician. <laughs> so we want to be wise there. And then the next thing you want to consider is remember that you need to prepare to hear, not just talk. When you go to seek counsel, be ready to hear, not just talk. People want to come to counsel and vent and unload, and beep, 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 back up the truck, boom, dump the whole load, and then walk away. It's like, hold on, little missy. There's an assignment for you. Once you have done all that unloading, counselors are supposed to help you discern where the blind spots are and to help you come to some solutions that you can start applying biblically right away, walking it out wisely. So before you even seek a counselor, pray for that counselor. Pray that they'll be that right counselor for you. And then pray that you'll have your receiver turned on so that God can help you. And finally, under number one, don't involve too many people. Please do not involve too many people. 
not everyone needs to know when we have something that's really hard going on. So use restraint, just refrain. Things sometimes have a way of taking a while to turn around. But then there are other times when things turn around a lot quicker than we expected. So imagine this scenario for a second. Imagine if I were to come to you, and you all know I'm a widow, right? If you didn't know that, you know that now. But I'm saying imagine if I came to you and said, my husband, he is just the worst. He did this and that, and then he blamed it on me. And he never gives me any money, and this and that, and I'm giving you all this list of stuff that's wrong. What's that doing to your mind? Yeah, woo, she said, but what about you? <laughs> right, there's more to the story. His side, your side, and God knows the truth. But I'll tell you what, you're coloring your friend's mind as they listen to you talk about that husband and badmouth him. You're coloring their thinking, and they're thinking, oh man, she married a loser. And every time they see your husband, then they're going to think, big, creepy loser. <laughs> but why would they ever think that? They maybe used to think he walked on water and hung the moon until you painted that picture. And now they're thinking, I don't know how she does it. I couldn't. I think I'd put something in his orange juice. I don't know. <laughs> And then you get better and everything is fine and you're happy again and the friend is stuck in the bad reports you gave her. Don't share that kind of personal stuff when it's not a counselor. It's, it, the bags are too heavy. We aren't actually equipped to handle every single thing that's going on in the life of a friend. It is true that a friend loveth at all times, and it's very true that a brother's born for adversity, but it isn't true that that means that I can be your counselor because I'm your friend. I just said this to my very own flesh and blood sister a couple weeks ago. I can't be your counselor. I can't. I mean, we jokingly say we're each other's free therapists. We go to the beach and we solve all the problems of the universe, we think. But there are some times when she has something that's too heavy, and I'll say, I can't, I can't be your counselor on that. You need to talk to a counselor. I love you. I'm going to pray with you. You need help with that. And I won't attempt to pick up a bag I don't have the strength to carry. I can't fix everything, neither can you. So let's just be really careful, and let's not involve too many people but pray for that biblical counselor, and God will use that counselor to help increase your wisdom. Number two out of four, avoid spending time with discouraging people. This is very important. Job is a perfect example of why, because in Job chapter 16, Job answered his friends after they had been silently grieving with him for seven days and seven nights, the scripture says, and then they opened their mouths and ruined it all because they started talking too much with their theorizing and analyzing. But then Job answered them in the midst of that and said, I've heard many such things. Miserable comforters are ye all. I love how he slapped them with that. 
You bunch of miserable comforters. That's not a compliment. Man, he gave them a backhand with that one. And, and he was trying to tell them, you're not helping me. Miserable comforters fall into two categories. Those who mean well and those who don't. Now we have to be careful here. People who analyze situations without all the facts can make some mistakes. Let's, let's admit there's been times when we've done that. But the scripture warns us not to do that. In Proverbs 18, 13, it says, He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. Don't become a Mrs. Fixit in the life of your friend or even your family members. Be really careful. You, if you don't know all the information, you're trying to be like Job's friends and you could end up being a miserable comforter coming up with a solution that doesn't even apply to the situation. Also understand that your pain and mine, it's personal. So when we remember that, it helps us understand why other people don't understand. Pain is personal, sister friends, it really is. There are gonna be some times when we're going through something and our situation is so hard and we wish everybody understood. Don't you know what I'm going through right now? Don't you know how hard it is to have to change a, a, a bag on a dialysis machine for a person who's got dialysis at home? Don't you know how hard it is to face all that tubing and cording and masking every day? Don't you know how hard it is to have a cancer patient that's dying in your presence and everything, everything is medical? Everything? Don't you know how hard it is to live with someone who's always criticizing you and never, ever says anything kind? You can't think of the last time you heard a kind word. Don't you know how hard? Fill in the blank. No, other people don't know our hard. They know their hard. And we don't know their heart. So it's unrealistic for us to expect everybody to always be able to relate to what we're going through. Don't hold it against someone if it seems like they don't quite get the depth of your pain. It's personal. It's not possible. And finally, under number two, forgive people for saying things that hurt more than they help. Don't hold a grudge against someone for doing that. Once again, who hasn't done it? Don't you have things that come to your mind as flashbacks that you've said in the past and you think, I can't believe I was that dumb. Every human has the capacity to say something that you wish you could grab it in midair and delete it before the person can hear it. But life doesn't work like that. They heard it and you can't take it back. Just be really careful to forgive people when they do that to you. Because just like you didn't mean any harm, most of the time people don't either. You know what people do when they say something and it doesn't come out right. First of all, they are generally aware of it, if not right at that moment, pretty soon after. The Lord, if they walk with God, will make sure and let them know. The Holy Spirit keeps us sensitive. But we want to be really careful to, to treat people the way we'd like to be treated. Don't you love it when somebody will forgive you when you messed up? then forgive people when they messed up with you and said something and it didn't sound very caring at all. Because it, in more cases than not, people run-ins are like this. It's like when you go to a restaurant and you have a meal 
and it's delivered and you're hungry and you're so excited about the food and then you look down and there's hair in the food. That's what people accidents are like. They're like hair in the food at the restaurant. Now here's the thing, I gotta ask you, do you really think that the chef was back there in the kitchen and he made your meal and then took off his chef hat, plucked a hair and laid it over your food and said, there, that's just right, serve, yeah. No, it was an accident. And it's an accident when we have these mishaps with people where they say something and man, that didn't come out great. Hey, Belle, Belle's from Minnesota. There's like a Minnesota contingency over here. There's some more over here. So my former Minnesotan girls, we used to go to church where you couldn't breathe and, and where the, the air hurt your face when you went outside. That's where we're from. We'd rather live where there's alligators. But anyway, here we are. So Belle, after Norman died, Belle knew my husband. She, she, her real name's Tammy, but I call her Belle because ask, ask her a question and let her answer you. When you hear her Southern accent, you'll understand why I nicknamed her Belle for Southern Belle. I have not hardly ever called her Tammy. But Belle, that first Sunday I went to church after Norm passed away, somebody caught me in the hallway and did that grip of the shoulders thing. Don't you hate that grip of the shoulders thing when someone stops you and holds onto your shoulders because they don't want to let you go and they want to talk to you right in your face? Invasion, invasion of airspace. <laughs> and so she stopped me and she said, I don't know how to see you at church without Norman. And you weren't there to beat her up. <laughs> Moving away to Florida like that. I had to give that woman grace. Do you think she meant it like I received it? No. Just remember that yourself then. So whose feet are you holding to the fire? Because they said something and it struck you as uncaring. Release them. You forgive them. Give them the grace that you'd like to have given to you. But remember, avoid spending time with discouraging people. Number three out of four, don't allow pride to keep you from getting help. It's so easy to do. There's a bunch of pride verses in Proverbs, aren't there? There's so many of them, you'd think we'd get the hint. But I guess God said, no, we're going to have to do a bunch of them because this is going to be the slow learner group when it comes to this area. <laughs> so here we are, Proverbs 11:2. when pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before and a haughty spirit before a fall. And then Proverbs 29, 23, a man's pride shall bring him low but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. You know, we don't want to waste our time being filled with pride when we need help. Keep in mind these few things under number three. Hardships are part of life. Let's just be real. The problem is not shameful. The pride is. So just remind yourself that this is part of life. Hardships are part of life. It's my turn to have a hardship. It'll be her turn next time. We rotate. Have you seen that? So don't let pride keep you from getting help. Nobody needs the appearance of a perfect life. We already all know it's not real anyway. 
So even if you're able to put it on, we know it's not real. Some of you know you think things to yourself too, like, yeah, I'd like to see her without her makeup. <laughs> we know that there's a lot of stuff in this life we do that's artificial. We don't have to put on. Don't, don't pretend, don't do it. Also remember under number three, don't allow the imagination to rule you. We talked about this in lesson one, and I'm bringing it up again, because facts are stronger than fiction. So be really careful about imagining, if I go get help, then everybody's gonna be thinking this. If word gets out about what our family's going through, I'm gonna be, now the imagination's driving, and we remember we learned earlier, don't let the imagination drive, it'll get you in the ditch. People aren't thinking about us as much as we imagine they are. And even in a crisis, it's only a temporary topic of conversation for those who are not immediately part of it. Scandal happens. <gasps> and now, where are you going for coffee? I mean, people move on. They don't stay stuck. Like, we think they're thinking about us. I can't walk through those doors because they're thinking about, that's last month's news. So we need to stop that kind of, that, that's the kind of trap thinking that the enemy loves to get us in. Worrying about what others think is a trap. So don't. And finally, under number three, pretending to be fine usually fails because it's fake. There are so many common issues in this life that are happening to people in real time right now. Very common everyday struggles. Problems with adult children. You're not first, but you can get in line, take a number. Marriage trouble. We already said that, that one, you're too late to be first for that. And cell phone evidence of marriage trouble, even that's not new. Immorality of all kinds, not new. Legal issues, financial problems, add anything you want to this list, and you are not going to be first. Don't lose valuable time trying to pretend your life is perfect. Go get help. Don't stage a cover-up because it's not going to help. And we all take turns being humbled by hard situations, so please remember that too. Sometimes you're in the hot seat. Other times you're helping someone else who is. And may I give you this one cautionary instruction at the end of this point here? Be really careful how you discuss, discuss a lot of the big issues that are happening today. Because what happens is you're forcing other people to have to either agree with you, or if they disagree, they're gonna be silent and under the radar, or you may get into a big dispute. It's also possible that you could say something really negative about a people group and not realize that you're talking about somebody who has a family member in that people group struggling. Case in point, I've lost track of the number of times I've heard people say really outrageous things about this gender identity trouble that is going on in our nation. Be careful how you discuss those matters, because how do you know that that friend you're talking to doesn't have a child trapped in that? The way we say things can encourage some or terribly discourage someone and drive them into despair. So be really careful how you discuss sensitive issues. Don't get flippant.
because you very well could end up saying something and that other person is, well, get back to me when you've walked in my shoes. We all take turns being humbled by hard situations, every one of us. And finally, number four, you're not alone and you're not the first. And yes, I've said that before and I'll say it again because sometimes we feel alone, don't we? And sometimes we feel like we need to sing a few bars of nobody's known the trouble I've seen. <laughs> we do, don't we? We feel like that. Proverbs 17, 17 that I mentioned earlier, a friend loveth at all times and a brother is born for adversity. God does give us godly people to shore us up for certain times. Now, they don't become in-depth counselors, but they can walk through a lot of things with us. And they can be that support system that backs us up and encourages us and even keeps us accountable. I really appreciated having good godly friends in my life when I was a brand new widow because you may not really believe this if I tell you, but I'm gonna tell you, it's true. One of the first things I did not wanna do after my husband died was I didn't wanna to go to church. Can you understand? Do you know that I didn't know how to park my own car at church? Because I didn't have to. Now call that spoiled in your mind if you want to, but the truth of the matter is my husband drove me up to the front door, got out of the car, came over to my side, opened my door, and I'd get out like I was Queen of Sheba. <laughs> and the ushers would be waiting every Sunday to say the same old tired jokes, Brother Norm, you gotta quit it, man. Our wives are gonna want that too. You gotta stop it, man. Go to the back door. They just would, they would razz him and he'd be, ho, 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 and he'd get back in the car and go park the car. I didn't even know where the car was parked. I didn't have to know. The first Sunday that I came to church as a widow, I realized I never drive to church. Not unless I'm going to like a Bible study or something like that. I don't drive to Sunday morning church by myself. Then the next thought came to mind. Who am I going to sit with? Oh my goodness, my soul was flooded with all kinds of overwhelming, tumbling thoughts and what-ifs and fears. And I was just... I was ready to turn around and go right back home. It became hard. So I did what every girl who's in trouble with God does. I skipped Wednesday. I thought nobody's going to know. There's enough people in that auditorium. They'd never miss me. Have you ever lied to yourself like that? <laughs> then that next Sunday... Tried it again. Good godly friends to the rescue. It's like, da, 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 da. you know, they put their capes on and came to my house. I am not kidding you. My friends started checking on me one by one by one. And then on the regular, somebody was always offering to have me sit with them, coming by the house, taking me to TJ Maxx. That solves all kinds of stuff. And, <laughs> you know, just, just all, there was always someone taking my pulse. One day, it wasn't a church day, and I was struggling and wrestling, I mean, like I thought I was going to drown in grief. I got in my car, I pointed it to the west, and just drove. I got on a long road, I didn't know where it was going to go, and I just drove. I was an hour out of the Twin Cities when my phone rang, and it was Pastor Clear and Valerie, my pastor from Minnesota and his wife. And they said, Francie, we're at your house, where are you? And I said, I don't know. 
And they said, well, when are you going to be back? And I thought, like, they didn't hear me say, I don't know where I am. <laughs> I said, I, I, I don't know that either. And they said, well, we're at your house. We'll wait. So I turned the car around on that long road and went right back home. They sat at my house and talked with me till 11 o'clock at night, encouraging what they could see was a very discouraged soul, trying to help a person who felt very alone. Adversity is lonely because it's temporarily isolating. Remember that. Yes, you feel alone, because it's temporarily isolating, but you're not alone, because a Christian is never alone. Also remember that even though our afflictions are unique, they're still universal. I'm not the first widow in this room. I cannot possibly be. And you're not the first you in this room, whatever your this is. And finally, under number four, Someone else has gone through a similar situation. Ask God to introduce you to them. When you're going through a tragedy, it's like you've been drafted into a club that you didn't want to join. We would never pray, Lord, please make my life harder so that I can be a help to others. We wouldn't do that, would we? But do you know that the particular hard that you're going through, Mama, who has had six, seven miscarriages, whoever you are, four or five, do you know you're a resource to that young mom who's gonna go through her first miscarriage and she thinks that the world just stopped? Widows in the room, young new widows think life is over because their whole identity was blown out of the water. They don't know how to be anything but the wife of their husband. And you're gonna be able to tell them it doesn't ever go away, but God softens it. Those of you who have gone through job loss and you thought you were going to lose everything and you're still alive and you can tell a great story, you're going to be a resource to someone else who loses their job and thinks it's all over now. We're going to lose the house, the car, the kids. No, you won't ever lose the kids. <laughs> they don't take those to pay the bills. <laughs> this whole room is full of resource people is what I'm saying. Because this whole room has a variety of experiences, various forms of hard that you've gone through that I haven't gone through, making you valuable to someone else. And so understand that you're not alone for a reason, and you're not the first for a reason, because God wants there to be people who understand. And that's you, and that's me. Well, things are going to happen we can't talk about, but God hasn't abandoned us. He can always be trusted. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Pour your heart out to God and remember that he hears you, he sees you, he understands. He didn't promise us a trouble-free life. He promised to be a very present help in time of trouble. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are that very present help because there's trouble that comes through on a rotation, Lord. And thank you also for those times when things are calm and peaceful. Lord, please help us to remember to thank you, because you said in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. You want us to be thankful 
even when the things don't seem like something we thank you for. Please help us to trust you and to remember that you are in due season going to turn this page in our lives. We commit this to you now